Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Be in the presence of God, and also knowing that no matter how hard we try, we can't get away from the presence of God. It's just awe-inspiring to think about that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us so much that cared for us enough to send Jesus so that we can have that hope of eternal life. So that's a reason to stand in awe today. We do want to wish fathers, all, all the fathers here, a happy Father's Day, and we, we honor you for your role as earthly fathers and providing for your family and, and raising up your children and, and being the men that God, God wants you to be. So we compliment you in that, and we hope that you have a good Father's Day, that that you got a call, a card, a gift of some kind. I came downstairs this morning, and my family bought for me all of my favorite food items, like from peanut M&Ms to wintergreen lifesavers to cinnamon toast crunch. It was all in a big gift bag for me. So in a family of eight, having your own special food is a big deal because that's in my bag now, and no one else can touch it. That's my cereal children. So see, right, that kind of thing. So it's a, it was a good Father's Day for me. I want to share with you a passage of scripture from my study this week, and we're going to be digging into this this morning, and it's one that I'm sure you're familiar with. It's one that's often quoted. It's James chapter 2 and verse 26. It says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead also. Now, I know this gets thrown around a lot, and you probably maybe even memorized this at one time if you grew up in a Sunday school class. If you're new to the Bible, this obviously might be a new passage for you. But what I want us to think about today, as we get into our study of the book of James, and we've been in the book of James for the last two weeks. Remember, this month we're taking a break from Acts and we're going through this book of James. But this passage right here, faith without works is dead. I want us to unwind it a little bit and think about our salvation. The fact that I would assume most of you that are here this morning are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, you made a choice at one moment in life, you believed in Jesus, you repented of your sins, you were baptized into Jesus, your sins were washed away, and you committed, you know, your life to him. Well, what now? Right? I mean, what what are we supposed to do now that we are a Christian? The thought that I want us to have and always keep in our mind, and, and it's throughout the New Testament, is this idea that we were saved for a purpose. We're not just saved from something. A lot of times we always talk about, I'm saved from my sins, I'm saved from hell, I'm saved from the consequences of, you know, my past actions, but it's more than that. We're saved from something, and we're saved to something. We are saved for a purpose in Jesus Christ, and that purpose, at least what I see here in the book of James, is to work for him. Now, it's not an idea of, well, I do these deeds, therefore God must save me, or, or I'm earning my salvation, or any of that kind of idea. But we are saved for a purpose, to do good works for God. Christianity is more than just a label that we wear. Because a lot of times we can go through life saying something like, well, I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. I am a Christian. But Christianity is more than just something we profess and say. It's something more than just a label that we put on ourselves. Christianity is not just a label, it is a lifestyle. At least that is what it's supposed to be. It's not just a title, it is a lifestyle. And with that in mind then, the thought I want to get across this morning is this. 
True faith, true faith, true belief is a working faith. And a true faith must always be looking for ways to grow in our works for God. So if you're taking notes, that's where we're going to be going this morning with our lesson. But if you haven't already done so, let's open up our Bibles to the book of James. And we're going to be continuing our series on renewal, finding renewal, life lessons from the brother of Jesus. If you're new to the Bible, the Old Testament deals with all the time before Jesus. The New Testament deals with the time during and after Jesus. The book of James is a letter written by the brother of Jesus who was guided by the Holy Spirit to send this message to different churches after Jesus had died. So Jesus' followers, they wrote down a lot of, you know, the New Testament there, and they, that's what we read from today, and we learn about, you know, the messages that they sent out to these Christians. And the book of James is very much relevant to us today because it deals with how do you behave when life doesn't really go your way. And really, in general, the whole book of James is just practical Christian living. It's how you live out your faith, not just as a label, but as a lifestyle. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at this idea. It's a lifestyle, not a label, from James chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 26. So let's, let's read together here. Um, James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works, can that faith save him? So what is someone doing here? Someone has a label. They go, I have faith. Okay, that's a nice label. I have belief. That's a nice label. But just saying that you have faith, will that save you? That's the, um, you know, the question that James proposes to us. Is that enough? Now, we can get into the theology of faith and how different books use faith, because James uses the word faith and belief different than the way Paul does and vice versa. But ultimately here, what James is trying to get us to understand is it's more than just something you say. I have faith. James is going, and? Right? I mean, I believe in Jesus. And? Right? It's more than just a label. It is a lifestyle. So what James wants us to see is it's not just about saying you have faith. James wants us to actually get out there and do something. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. If a brother or sister, so he's talking to Christians. So now you have a brother or sister in Christ who is without clothing and in need of daily food. Now that's pretty destitute, right? We're not talking about a person that doesn't have a lot. We're talking about a person that has nothing. You're one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. A fellow church member, something like that, maybe even a member of your family, has nothing to wear and no food on their plate. What are you going to do about it? That's the question that James proposes. He goes, so here's our situation. A brother or sister has nothing to wear, pretty bad situation, and doesn't even have daily food. So it's not that they don't have anything in the parents. It's just nothing at all, nothing to eat that day. What are you going to do? Well, verse 16, he says, and one of you, so here's the well-meaning Christian, right? One of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, but yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Now here's, this is designed to make us uncomfortable a little bit because just like the Christians back then, we have a tendency to do this. And I know I do as a human being. Uh, here he says, so a brother or sister comes to you and says, 
please, brother, help me. I need clothing. I need food. And you pat them on the back. And you say, they're there. I really hope this works out for you. Be warm. Be filled. Have a good life. God bless you, right? That's the scene. And James goes, hold up. You didn't give them what they needed. At that moment, they didn't need a pat on the back. At that moment, they didn't need a God bless you. At that moment, what did they need? Clothing and food. That's what they needed. He goes, that's, that's pointless. He goes, what use is that? And as I was preparing for this lesson, I was trying to think of maybe a modern day equivalent of this. And, and I don't mean this because I know this has become kind of a political phrase a little bit. But I do mean this to step on our toes because it made me feel uncomfortable. I got all nervous. My feet got sweaty as I was preparing this. But here's what I think a good example of this would be. Saying being warmed and filled might be equal to sending thoughts and prayers. Now, I'm going to be careful with this. Absolutely, a thousand percent, we should be praying for people. And we need to drop to our knees in prayer. We need to pray for people individually. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our world. We need to pray for all sorts of things. However, I think that sometimes, like the brethren in the book of James, we use prayer as a cop-out, as an excuse to not actually do what we need to do. Because that's what they were doing here in James. By, by telling somebody, be warmed and be filled, blessings to you, giving them a nice greeting, is that a good thing to do? Yes. But is that what is needed right then? No. Right? Think about it. And we sometimes, I do the same exact thing. I am guilty of this sin. I'll give you a couple of some examples that I thought of. God, we pray that people hear the truth. I mean, I've said that before in prayers before the congregation. But I don't maybe get out there and teach them the truth. God, I pray that people will learn the truth. And God's over here going, well, why don't you teach it to them, right? I mean, but we do that, right? We, we kind of, we pass the buck. Well, I prayed for it. Be careful. That's kind of like the faith without works idea. Or, God, I pray that the hurting will be comforted. But we don't go out there and try to comfort them. Like, we'll do that sometimes, right? Well, so-and-so is going through it, and we pray that they will be comforted. But maybe they need us to go out there and put an arm around them, pray with them, and comfort them ourselves, right? Don't just say be warmed and be filled. Or we do something. Maybe I, I gather around the table with my family, and we have an abundance at the table to eat. And we have food in the pantry. And I have to watch how many calories I put in my body so that I don't overeat, right? And then I pray, God, we pray for those that don't have food. But yet, I have an abundance. And there might be people in my own community that, that don't. Be careful with that. What about we do things like, God, we pray for those that are married, that their marriages will be strengthened. Are we trying to help people strengthen their marriages? Are we talking to young couples? Are we talking to older couples? Are we counseling? Are we doing what needs to be done? Or are we just praying. But God, we pray that sinners will be corrected. Maybe we need to be the ones that go correct those sinners. God, we pray that children will grow up in the faith. Well, what are we doing to make it happen? God, we pray that the elderly will not be lonely. Well, let's go visit them so that they're not lonely. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean this to, to be mean, but, but we do this, don't we? We're just like the people in James where instead of doing something, all we do is pray. Now, sometimes all we can do is pray, and sometimes prayer is what needs to be done 
Prayer is powerful. Prayer turns the face of God. Prayer can accomplish great things. Later on in the book of James, he talks about how prayer ended a drought with the power of the prayer of Elijah. So he's not doubting the power of prayer. However, sometimes we can use prayer as an excuse to not do anything. So instead of saying, be warmed and be filled, instead of saying, well, I'll pray for you, we should get up and do something. That's what James is trying to get us to see. And this is what smacked me upside the head. Because a lot of times I go, well, I'll pray for you. But really what I'm doing is saying, I don't want to be bothered by you. Maybe that's the, I'm the only person that's guilty of that. But instead of just thinking about someone, we need to do something for them. And that's what James says here. He says, you tell them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and do not give them what is necessary for their body. He goes, what use is that? A person comes to you and says, my family has nothing to eat. And we go, I'll keep you in my prayers. That's the illustration here. Someone comes to you and says, it's cold outside and I don't have a jacket for my children. I'll pray that you guys are warm. What use is that? James is saying. And then he goes on, he says, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. So we profess faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus saved me. We love Jesus. We love the world. But yet we're not actually doing anything. He goes, your faith that you claim to have is a dead faith because Christianity is not just a label. It is a lifestyle. Look at verse 18. He says, but if someone or someone may well say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You want to see a faithful person, you'll be able to tell it by the works they're doing for God and for other people. The whole book of 1 John is about, you want to show proof of your faith? Love your neighbor. Love your brother. Here's an example of an opportunity to love. And if we don't do that, he goes, your faith is dead. It's not either or. Someone can't go, well, I'm a Christian who does works. You're a Christian who does faith. No, it's, it's all of it together. The faith motivates me to work and to serve and to love. And then in verse 19, as we go on here in James chapter 2, he gives this passage that, that you might have heard before, and it's kind of an odd one. He says, you believe, or you have faith, belief and faith are the same Greek word. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He's not bashing belief. You believe in the one God, that's good, because even those that are rebelling against God believe that. Demons know who God is, and they're, you know, on the losing team. But then he says, even the demons believe and shudder. Yes, they shudder at the thought of a terrifying, you know, God. We know that. But I think he's making another underlying point here, that if all you're doing is believing, you're on the wrong team. Because the demons here, they also believe in God. I mean, the devil himself believes in Jesus, but he's not working for God. He's not faithful. We would never say that, but he, he believes. It's so much more than just the mental acknowledgement of a fact. Christianity is not just, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I believe in Jesus, the son of God. Okay. Has that belief changed you? If it hasn't, you're kind of on the same tier here as with these demons and what they accept about God. We would not want anyone to describe our faith 
that way. And then just in case we don't get it, James goes on and gives us two examples here of what he's talking about. He gives the example of Abraham and Rahab. So let's read. He says, verse 20, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? It's pointless. So better get out there and work. And then he goes, was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. I know several weeks ago, we were in the book of Galatians, and we referenced this same illustration in Galatians. It's used differently in Galatians and Romans than it is in James. So just put up a barrier there. You can use illustrations in different ways in different places. We do that. So he gives the example of Abraham. What did Abraham do? Well, Abraham did something. He didn't just say, I believe in God. His belief was manifested by his works. What works? He obeyed. When God said, offer up your son Isaac on the altar, he was willing to do it. Now, we know that God stopped it and, and all of that, and Abraham was blessed you know, from that point onward. But Abraham did something. And because he did something, we see his faith demonstrated, and he's called you know, the father of the, the righteous ones. He is called righteous, and he's called a friend of God because Abraham did something. We go on. Verse 24, he says, You do see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Verse 25. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot, which I love he gets two extreme illustrations. Abraham, who every Jewish person looked at him as the father of the faithful, and then he gets Rahab, who was a prostitute. But both people demonstrated their faith in working for God. Rahab the harlot was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. She protected the spies. She did something. She didn't just go, oh man, you spies are in a dangerous situation. I'll pray for you. She hid them. She did something. And then in verse 26, it says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. What's the point he's getting? Abraham wasn't just about professing his faith by words, but he lived it out. It was a lifestyle. Rahab didn't just say, be warmed, be filled, or I'll pray for you. She did something. Their faith was demonstrated by their works. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, would call this bearing fruit. That's this idea. Are we fruit bearers? Are we workers? Are we people that are out there making a difference in the name of Jesus? Or do we just proclaim his name without actually living it out. He says it again, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And I think he makes this comparison on purpose because a dead faith is scarier than death itself. A dead faith, a faith that is fake, a faith that is hypocritical, a faith that is pointless, one that might get us in church every Sunday, but doesn't get us out there in the world changing it, that is a dead faith. Because we're not just saved you know, from something, we're saved for a purpose. And our purpose is to have a living and working faith. It's about doing something. It's not just about what God has done for us, but it's about what he's done for us and now we do for others. 
Christianity is so much more than saying, I believe in Jesus. Christianity is a lifestyle committed to putting that belief into action. Abraham believed, and he put his faith into action. Rahab believed, she put her faith into action. Every biblical hero that we can think of a faith, they believed and they put that faith into action. They did something. It wasn't just a label. They didn't just say, oh yeah, I believe. No, they showed and demonstrated their belief because Christianity is not just a label. It's a lifestyle. So my motivation for us today is simply this. Let's make sure that we are Christians, not just in word, but also in deed. That we look for ways to actually work for God. Don't use, you know, prayer is a powerful tool. But don't use, I'll pray for you, as kind of a cop-out from doing what actually needs to be done. Sometimes we got to get out there and get our hands dirty. Sometimes we have to get to work. Actually, all the time we have to get to work. We can't just sit back and go, I am a faithful Christian. A faithful Christian is one that has a working faith. Christianity is not just a label. It's a lifestyle. The lesson is yours this morning. In just a moment, Steve is going to lead us in a song. But let me encourage you that if you're not a child of God and you want to get part of, you know, a group of people that have a living and working faith, we can get you plugged in. We'll get you into a Bible study. We'll teach you more about Jesus if you want to learn more about him. If you're not a Christian, you want to be baptized into Jesus Christ, having your sins washed away, we can do that. Talk to one of us afterwards. I'll be in the foyer. The elders will be back there too. We'll be glad to meet you with any, or be able to take care of any need that you have. But right now, let's all stand together and let's sing the song that was selected. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless.